verse number three. We'll read verses three through ten. John chapter 18, verse number three. Praise God. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Some are turning, some are there. If you're there, say amen. All right. John chapter 18, verse three. Judas then having received a band of men and officers from the chief priests and Pharisees, cometh thither with lanterns and torches and weapons. Jesus, therefore, knowing all things that should come upon him, went forth and said unto them, Whom seek ye? They answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus saith unto them, I am he. And Judas also, which betrayed him, stood with them. And as soon as he had said unto them, I am he, they went backward and fell to the ground. Then asked he them again, Whom seek ye? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. Then Jesus answered, I have told you that I am he. If therefore you seek me, let these go their way that the saying might be fulfilled which he spake of them which thou gavest me, have I lost none. Then Simon Peter, having a sword, drew it and smote the high priest's servant and cut off his right ear. The servant's name was Malchus. Just an interesting tidbit here in this passage of Scripture with Judas being with the chief priests and the Pharisees and the band of men and officers, I find it very interesting that Judas has to be with this group of individuals because he is the one that is to point out who Jesus is. That's because Jesus looked like the rest of the disciples, and so somebody had to pinpoint who Jesus was. And in this passage of Scripture, Simon Peter tempestuous draws out a sword and tries to take care of business his own way and then there is a circumstance that Jesus has to deal with and that is Malchus's ear is cut off and now Peter is in some grave trouble I want to speak to you for a few moments this morning on evidentiary evidence evidentiary evidence Let's pray. Lord, we thank you and praise you for your goodness. We feel your anointing in this place today. And we ask that your word would be a strength to us. We have set aside some time to come to the house of God today, knowing that your anointing and your presence is here. And we pray that you would elevate, strengthen, and encourage everybody that is in the sanctuary here today or beyond this sanctuary, that your touch and your hand would go forth. And we give to you thanks in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. Evidentiary evidence. This is obviously, as we read this passage of scripture, this is at the end of Jesus' ministry, and he is going to face much persecution at the hands of the Roman centurions, the Roman government, because of the Jewish Pharisees, Sadducees, and rulers. They are upset with his teaching, what he is explaining they feel like he is teaching against their law 
and they do not realize that he is not just a teacher, but he is God manifest in the flesh. One of the reasons why they fall backward in this passage of scripture, I believe, is because Jesus reveals his identity when he says that he is the I am. Amen. He is the God of the Old Testament. He is the I am that spoke to Moses out of a burning bush. And there is power associated with Jesus. Amen. I'm thankful for that. I don't want to serve a God that is limited in his ability. I want to serve a God in which I can have faith in believing and knowing that God is able to do above and beyond what I could even think or ask. As a matter of fact, I can testify here in the house of God and say to you, God has done mighty things in my life. Amen. And so I have a testimony. And overcoming testimony. Praise God. If you find yourself in a situation here today, there's a God that can respond to you. His arm is not short that it cannot reach, but there is a right hand of authority and power that can be extended to you. Amen. That's the kind of God that we serve. And so here Jesus is. He reveals his identity. They fall back. Judas betrays him. Peter, in this moment of tension, pulls out his sword and he cuts off Malchus's ear. In moments like these, we find our body responding to what is known as the fight or flight response. It is a primitive, automatic, inborn response that prepares our body to fight or to flee from any perceived attack, harm, or threat to our survival. Amazing things happen to the body when this occurs. There is a bodily reaction that is triggered, and that is the fight-or-flight response. Originally, this response was discovered by the great Harvard physiologist Walter Cannon, and this response is hardwired into our brains and represents a genetic wisdom that is designed to protect us from bodily harm. Blood starts flowing from the central part of our body, from our digestive system, and it makes its way into our muscles. And that extra energy and fuel is needed for running or for fighting. Our pupils dilate, our awareness intensifies, our sight sharpens, our impulses quicken, our perception of pain diminishes, our immune system mobilizes with increased activation, and we become very, very capable of looking for the enemy and fighting or flighting. Amen. This response that is inborn in who we are. We narrow our focus to those things that can harm us. And fear becomes the lens through which we see the world. It is at this moment that it becomes very, very difficult to think logically because we are overwhelmed with excessive stress. Our life becomes a series of short-term emergencies. And we're looking at the tension and the moment in a flight or fight response. Certainly in this passage of Scripture, with lanterns and a band of officers and individuals coming upon a prayer garden to identify Jesus is one of the reasons why Peter feels this emotion and he recognizes the danger. And so he pulls out his sword regardless of what Jesus has said, regardless of the 
officers falling backward. When Jesus says, I am he, Peter still feels like he needs to help Jesus out. Let me just say something right here. Jesus doesn't need your help because he has all power in his hand. Praise God. You need Jesus' help. We get it backwards sometimes. We think God needs help, and we've got an idea of what needs to be done, but we don't need to help God out. God needs to help us out. And to this morning in this place, there is a God that can help you in your situation. I don't care how small and insignificant it is or how great and magnanimous it may seem to be. There is a God that can respond to you because there is power in his hand. There's ability in his hand. Praise God. I'm here today not to try to help God out. I'm here today because I need God to help me out. Hallelujah. And so Peter, he's going to try to He's going to try to help God out by, now Peter is a fisherman, we know that, that was his occupation before God calls him to be a disciple, why he has a sword on him, I'm not real sure, I'm not real sure how good he was with the sword, he was good enough to cut off Malchus's ear, but I don't think that was because of precision, I think that was because of reckless abandon, and this moment of tension, Peter's going to take care of business, and he creates a great problem problem that he creates is between two different laws. Peter is a Jew, so there is the Jewish law, and there are crimes of violence against others that were serious criminal effects, and God provided legislation for some of those things in the Old Testament law. There would have been a hearing before the judges and the elders. In Leviticus chapter 24, verse number 19, says, If a man cause a blemish in his neighbor as he hath done, so shall it be done to him. Breach for breach, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, as he hath caused a blemish in a man, so shall it be done to him again. So Peter is facing the Jewish law, which states here, eye for eye, tooth for tooth. This is Old Testament law, and it lays out some responses and some laws based on violence and difficulties. And so Peter was standing in line, according to this law, Peter was standing in line to lose an ear because it's an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, a breach for a breach. As you have caused a blemish in a man, so shall it be done to you again. So Peter is standing before that particular law. And there is evidentiary evidence that is before him. Evidentiary means something that has the characteristics of an evidence and qualifies as evidence. And it's very, very clear that it is Malchus's ear that is on the ground. And so there is evidentiary evidence that is facing Peter. Not only is he facing a Jewish law because he is Jewish, but the Jews are underneath Roman domination and rule. And so there's also Roman law. And that judicial procedure in Rome includes an appearance before a magistrate, a trial, a selection of a judge to preside over the case. You were expected to observe Roman law, not get involved in any disorderly, suspicious, or treasonous activity, especially if 
if you were Jewish because you were under their rule. It would have been very, very easy to press charges against Peter because he was, in fact, out of order swinging a sword around, and he cut off a servant's ear, and so there is evidentiary evidence that is clearly before everyone in the form of a severed ear. At this moment, the enemies of Jesus, both human and spiritual, rejoice at Peter's action because it was evidence not only against Peter but also against Jesus because he was being accused of disorderly conduct. But I want to say to you very emphatically here this morning, and this is my thesis this morning, and that is nothing is over if God is on the scene. Amen. It may look like it's absolutely over. Critics may say that it is over. It may not feel like that you are in a position of strength. Maybe God doesn't hear you. Maybe God won't move and you will never amount to anything and you will never make it and everything is aligned against you. Amen. But when God is on the scene, there is always the possibility of God turning things around. Amen. I'm glad that God looked at me, not what I was, but he looked at what I could be. He saw me in the deep and miry clay, but he said, I can pull you out of of your situation and elevate you to a better position and you can become better than what you are. Praise God. I'm preaching in the house of God here today that you can be better than where you are. You can be better than your situation. Praise God. You can be better than your sin. Why? Because there's a God that is faithful. Hallelujah. To pick you up in moments of impossibility and say to you, there is a better way. You can make your way out of the jailhouse. You can get yourself out of addiction. You can pull yourself out of where you are because there is a God that is faithful and it's not over when God is on the scene. Hallelujah. Praise God. You say, well, there is too much evidentiary evidence. I know that, but there's a God that is able to do a work with the stuff that is aligned against you. Praise God. Is there anybody in this place here today that has a testimony? I shouldn't be here because the evidence was against me, but I'm here because God wrought a mighty, mighty victory. People could have written you off. People could have said, it's over because of your failure and your past mistakes. But thanks be to God, Calvary is still powerful. The blood is still effective. And you're here in the house of God today because of God's mercy. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I'm coming for you. You shouldn't just be sitting there. You should be worshiping God because everything was against you, but God worked it out. I don't understand what the big deal is. You would if you were in a situation where a lot of us have been. The reason we get so excited is because God brought us from afar off to where we are. Amen. Maybe you're sitting on a pew and you don't think you got it too bad and everything is okay. Just wait because the enemy is going to lie to you and tell you a lot of things that look really, really good but 
pulls you into domination, destruction, addiction, difficulties, failed immorality, marriages, relationships, everything falls apart. But God knows how to build it back together again. And that's what I'm preaching in the house of God today. Amen, it's not over if God is on the scene. Praise God. You say, well, God hasn't <clears throat> brought me out of situations because I'm not in deep situations. Well, according to the scripture, we are sinners by nature. That's against us, Romans chapter 5 and verse number 12. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. Romans chapter 3 verse 23 says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Praise God. There is evidentiary, evident, evidentiary evidence against us that we are not in a right position and place. Isaiah chapter 53 and verse number 6 says, all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. So trying to do things on our own and be good and be the best, there's still a problem. There is a sin problem in our life. Isaiah chapter 64 verse 6 says, but we are all as an unclean thing and all our righteousness are as filthy rags and we all do fade as a leaf and our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. My righteousness in my own is as filthy rags. It doesn't measure up. It misses the mark. You say, well, I'm a pretty good person. You still miss the mark because there is sin in your life. You need a savior. You need somebody that can make something that looks impossible possible. Praise God. Adam failed miserably in the garden. He had a choice. God gave him the ability to choose, and he made a wrong choice. There is a law that works against me. It is sin in my members, Paul said in Romans chapter number 7. The evidence is against me, but the one who is able to change things. I know the evidence is right there, but there is one that is able to change some things. And he has worked on my behalf. From the very beginning, people offered blood sacrifice to try to solve their sin situation. Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 22 says, almost all things are by the law purged with blood and without shedding of blood is no remission. So from the beginning, Cain and Abel, they offered sacrifice. Noah offered a sacrifice. Abraham offered a sacrifice. The children of Israel offered sacrifice. They all sacrificed. But there came a day in which one by the name of Jesus said, I'm going to provide once and for all the ultimate sacrifice. You're not going to have to kill the a goat or a bull or a turtle dove and shed that blood, but I am going to be the ultimate sacrifice. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. Isaiah chapter 53 and verse number 5 said it this way, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon 
upon him and with his stripes we are healed. Jesus Christ gave his own blood and said in Matthew, this is my blood of the New Testament which is shed for many for the remission of sins. You know how you solve the sin problem? You find Jesus who is the ultimate Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. His blood that was shed is able to wash and cleanse from every, every sin. Hallelujah. No matter how great it is or was, there is a God that works in the realm of impossibility because he's a sovereign God. His blood cleanses. His blood washes. His blood heals. Hallelujah. I said his blood heals. If you need a healer in the house of God today, there is one that is in this place that is able to heal. Praise God, the enemy fights hard against this because he wants to use the evidence of your failures and your mistakes against you. His power resides in accusations and condemnation. <laughs> and so he likes to trot out a long list of all of your failures. Let me just take a poll here. I'll run from this side of the church all the way to this side of the church. Is there anybody in this place that is perfect? Starting here, moving this way. Perfect, 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 perfect. No, there is none of us in this place perfect because we're striving to what? God wants us to be. We've all had failures and mistakes, but the difference is there is blood that washes and cleanses. Praise God. First of all, I repented of my sins and identified with Jesus' death. Second of all, I was baptized in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Buried in a name identifying with his burial. Third, I was given his spirit on the inside of me through the infilling of the Holy Ghost ghost hallelujah that empowers me I am a child of God thank God for a new birth experience that saves but beyond that even at that I still have problems still have situations still don't measure up still have failures and there's still a God whose blood is still working it's the renewing and washing of the word that is able to wash and cleanse me all I've got to do is lift my hands and say, God, forgive me, wash me, cleanse me. And that's all it takes because there's power in the blood. Praise God. Come on, clap your hands and thank the Lord. Hallelujah. The enemy can come all he wants. All he's going to find is the blood of Calvary. Hallelujah. Well, what about five years ago? You made a mistake. The blood of Calvary. What about 10 years? You really messed up there. The blood of Calvary. Yeah, what about this skeleton in the closet? There is no skeleton because the blood has covered it. Praise God. Praise God. Maybe you're not as excited as I am, but I've done some really stupid, dumb stuff that the enemy raises against me. But I just have to remind him, I know the evidence was there, but there's a God that knows how to change your accusations and condemnation because of Calvary.
is completely over as long as God is on the scene. Amen. Let me give you just a few exhibits here. Peter went from a swordsman. <laughs> he went from a swordsman cutting off Malchus's ear to Pentecost and beyond. He was bold and presumptuous and he made mistakes by his own choice. But it was Peter in Acts chapter 4 and verse number 7 that preached these words. When they asked him, by what power or what name have you done this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Ghost, said unto them, You rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if we this day be examined of the good deed done to the impotent man, by what means he is made whole, be it known unto you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him doth this man stand here before you whole. This is the stone which was set at naught of you builders, which has become the head of the corner. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Peter, how can, the, how can you preach that when before you was evidence of Jewish law and Roman law when you cut a man's ear off, no doubt going for his head. Well, the reason why I can stand here and preach is because Jesus took the evidentiary evidence and put Malchus's ear back on his head and healed him completely. So the enemy has nothing to say. Praise God. I don't. That excites me here today. When the enemy comes to you and wants to say something, there is nothing he can say because Jesus has been at work in your life. Praise God. Paul, exhibit number two, Paul in Acts chapter number nine. Paul went from murder and mayhem to missions work. All of his past failures. He was breathing out threatenings and he was on his way to Damascus. When he was knocked from his horse, he fell to the earth and he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he said, who art thou, Lord? Interesting, he already knew who it was. And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. You know how difficult it must have been for Paul to go as a missionary to some of the same churches that he persecuted, divided families, destroyed people's livelihood, and he had to stand before them and preach the gospel. Amen. The difference maker was God was working in Paul's life so that there was a difference that was made when people heard him preach the gospel. Praise God. When God does great things in your life, life, there's going to be people around you saying, what in the world has happened to you? I'll tell you what happened to me. God saved me, sanctified me, redeemed me, justified me, and gave me a hope that maketh not a shame. I don't deserve it, but he gave to me the opportunity. Praise God. Exhibit number three, there was a man that was born of four individuals. He was born of the palsy. He needed healing. They carried him to where Jesus was. When they got to the house, the house was so full they couldn't get in. So the four men, four men of faith, they brought this man up onto the roof. 
and they dug through the roof and they lowered the man down while Jesus was standing in the house talking to the crowd. This man needed a healing in his body and life and there were four individuals that wanted to get him into the presence of Jesus. Now, this that's another message, but I, I, I just need to say this. We need four people that are willing to bring somebody to the house of the Lord for healing. Praise God. We always focus on the man of the palsy, but what about the four guys that said, you know what? We've got enough faith to believe that God is able to do what looks like it's impossible. It looks like the evidence is before us that this man will not be healed, but we believe if we can just get him in the presence of Jesus, he's a miracle working God and he can do what no other can do. Praise God. I'm thankful for individuals that testify to somebody else and tell them, we know your situation may look dire. It may look like it's the end of the road, but let me tell you about one that is able to heal. Let me tell you about one that is able to save. Let me tell you about one that is able to forgive. Praise God. Do I, do I have four? Do I have four in the house here today that believes that God can do what no other can do? God, come on. You didn't have to tear the roof off. All you had to do was walk through the door. But since we're in the house, let's agree together that God can do marvelous things. Hallelujah. Come on, church. Let's agree together right now. Hallelujah. Let's be the four for somebody here today. God, you're able to do it. God, you're able to accomplish it. God, you're able to achieve it. Praise God. Hallelujah, they lowered the man before Jesus, and Jesus took the opportunity to say to the man, first of all, he said to the man, thy sins are forgiven you. And the Pharisees said, wait a minute, who has the power and the ability to forgive sins? You're making yourself God. Well, ladies and gentlemen, the evidentiary evidence in that case is that Jesus was God. And he had the ability to forgive sin. But just in case you doubted, he said to the man, take up your bed and walk. And the man that was sick of the palsy picked up his bed. First of all, he walked away with his sins forgiven. And second of all, he walked away with his bed that he was in healed. Praise God as the musicians come this morning. Paralysis, paralytic. These were associated in this story with the power of Christ's healing ministry. Praise God. The evidentiary evidence that is before us. Some are brokenhearted. Some are held captive by the walls of your past. Some are bruised. And the evidence is ever before us. But thank God in the house of God today, as an apostolic church, we believe that there is one that can change the things in your life. Praise God. And he's able to heal 
He's able to remove every record. And he is able to allow you to refuse to remain at the mercy of what faces us. Psalm 103, verse number 12 says, as far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. Anybody thankful that God is able to remove our transgressions? <laughs> Praise God. Micah chapter 7 and verse number 19 says, He will turn again. He will have compassion upon us. He will subdue our iniquities. And thou wilt cast all their sins into the depths of the sea. You know, there's some stretches of the sea. They have not plumbed the depths of how far the sea goes. Which was precisely what was the prophet's statement here is that when God takes care of your iniquities, he sends them to a place that they are not recovered. Acts chapter 3, verse number 19 said, Repent ye therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out. Amen. He knows how to take your sins from the east to the west, which you never meet the east to the west if you're going in the same direction. He throws them to the bottom of the sea. There is no calculation of what the depths of the sea are. And he blots out your sin. Praise God. You know what you need to do in the house of God here today? Praise God. There's, there's more than four. <laughs> Praise God. I'm thankful for that. I said there's more than four here that are trying to get you in a position to recognize that God is able to heal. God is able to forgive. God is able to save. Praise God. We need to bring our problems and our mistakes and our difficulties like Peter that cuts off Malchus's ear and he's standing there in between a rock and a hard place. He doesn't know what to do, where to turn to. And Jesus looks at him and no doubt Jesus could have condemned him. Jesus could have rebuked him. Jesus could have done a lot of stuff. <clears throat> but he reaches down and he puts Malchus's ear on his head. You talk about a crazy, crazy scenario. And yet God does crazy stuff like that for us. Maybe not in a physical sense where we cut somebody's ear off and he patches it up. But I'll guarantee you this, there's things in this building here today that are crazy, crazy, crazy. In which God works in that situation and changes the entire landscape of our life. Praise God. You can't fix the problem. Peter was trying to help Jesus. You can't fix the problem, but God can fix the problem. I said Jesus can fix the problem. Praise God. Peter, what are you going to do with an ear? You can't do anything. But if you put that problem in the master's hand. Hallelujah. Come on, I need somebody to help me build faith. If you put the problem in the master's hand. Hallelujah. The impossible can take place as we stand together in this place of what difficulty is facing you, what evidentiary evidence is before you. Praise God that would stop you, hinder you, be an obstacle before you. There is a God that is able to do what no other can do. God, I challenge you in the house of God today to bring your mess, your problems, your difficulty. Bring, if you will, Malchus's ear before Jesus and say, 
I'm between a rock and a hard place here. I recognize it. But I also know that you're greater than what I am. Praise God. And my mistakes and my failures and my shortcomings in your hand become something that you can work with. Praise God. Amen. Is there someone in the house of God today that's facing circumstances in life and difficulties in life? Praise God. There's a lot of stuff that is arrayed against you. Maybe the enemy has come so many times trying to remind you of your past mistakes and failures and difficulties. This is one of his great weapons. Amen. You need to come today and lift up your hands and say, you know what? That happened 10 years ago and the blood of Calvary is still powerful. And I repented of that a long time ago of that. Praise God. And so I'm lifting this up in Jesus' name. Praise God. Was Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Holy Ghost is in this place today. I was lost. Woo, open I yourself. Was blind. I was wrong. Hallelujah. Come on, open your faith. Open your faith and stretch it. Separated. The breach was far too wide. Sing, girl. Sing. But from the far side of the castle, you held me. So you made a way, made a way, made a way across the great divide. Left behind, left behind heaven's throne to build it here inside. There at the cross, and there at the cross, you paid the debt. You paid the debt Woo. I owe. <laughs> Hallelujah! You, you broke, broke my chains. You broke every chain. my soul. For the first time Hallelujah. I Come on, somebody, lift up your voice. 